wearing a dog collar. Um, I'm going to be reading to us um, a passage from the New Testament, um, from the book of Acts. Um, there are Bibles throughout the church. If you would like to follow looking at it while I read, it's on page 1102. 1102. And it's the book of Acts, chapter 9, verses 1 to 11, and then 17 to 19. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found anyone there who belonged to the way, whether a man or a woman, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light fell from heaven and flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men travelling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord, Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Let's just pause for a moment before God, before I speak. Lord, I pray that you will be in my words this morning and in our hearts and minds as we listen to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I wonder whether any of you have seen the Coen Brothers film, O Brother, Where Art Thou?, starring George Clooney. It came out in about um, 2000, I think, quite a while ago. Um, And it's a slightly quirky retelling of um, the story of Homer's Odyssey. 
bizarrely uh, updated to 1930s Mississippi. Um, So it's all spoken in a slow, deep south drawl, and it has a great um, bluegrass country and music soundtrack, if you like that sort of thing. It's a cracking film, really, really good film. And the plot concerns three um, rather hapless escaped convicts uh, by the name of Everett, Pete and Delmar, who are hiding out in the woods on the run from the law. And there, while they're hiding out, one day um, they encounter a procession of people, all dressed in white robes. And this procession is heading down to a lake to be baptised. As the baptism ceremony begins, um, Delmar, one of the three, is overwhelmed by the beauty and mystery of what he sees before him. And he breaks cover and he rushes down to the water and asks to be baptised. And the minister, slightly taken aback, nevertheless baptises him gladly. And as Delmar returns to his companions, he declares that he's now saved. He says, Neither God nor man's got nothing on me now. He explains that the minister has told him that all his sins have been washed away. Even, he says, when he stole the pig for which he'd been convicted. Everett exclaims, but you said you were innocent of that. Well, I lied, Delmar replies, and that's been washed away too. This is, of course, a story that centers on the baptism of an adult. Um, But what we've been celebrating this morning with Barnaby and Lucy and Charlie and Harry, and of course all their families and friends, all all of you, amazing quantity of people, fantastic to see you all here. What we've been celebrating, um, the baptisms of children, some tiny, some slightly larger, um, has a slightly different flavour to it, but the truths at the heart of both baptisms of children and adults are the same. Our Bible reading this morning also concludes with a baptism. Saul, having encountered the power of Jesus on the road to Damascus, having been blinded and having been healed by God working through the person of Ananias, Saul is also baptised. Saul chooses to be baptised because he's encountered the presence of Jesus in power. And so he invites Jesus to come into his life. He even changes his name in recognition of his internal transformation. Saul, who we read in the earlier book, book of uh, earlier chapters of the book of Acts, um, who persecuted the Christians with all his energies. This Saul becomes Paul, the Paul who was the author of almost half the books of the New Testament of, of the Bible, 
arguably the most important follower of Jesus who has ever lived. These four children are almost certainly, in the case of the the very youngest ones, um, hopefully in the case of the older two, um, not yet aware of the presence of Jesus in their lives. Although, of course, he absolutely is already there. But you, their parents, have made a decision to have them baptised today. Um, Maybe in the case of you, you older two, you've decided that as well with mum and dad. But you've made a decision before God and before God's gathered people here today to welcome Jesus into the lives of your children you have a hope and a prayer that Jesus will be at the centre of their lives. So what was going on when Lee baptised the children a few minutes ago? What are we saying when we baptise a tiny baby or a slightly older child? When we're present perhaps at the baptism of an adult or maybe... For some of you adults here, um, have been baptised as an adult yourself. I believe there are three themes from this morning's reading from the book of Acts that help us to understand the meaning of the baptism we've just seen. And indeed to understand what happens when each one of us welcomes Jesus into our life. And these three Themes are all echoed in the service of baptism itself, the words that we've all just said together. And the first of these themes is this. Saul moves from pride to humility. He moves from pride to humility. I said a moment ago that Saul was um, perhaps the most terrifying of the persecutors of the early Christians. We're told at the beginning of this passage that he was breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples, Jesus' disciples. He was a man certain in the rightness of his cause. He was determined to travel long and dangerous distances. Damascus is a long way from Jerusalem using the transport of the time and a dangerous road. Saul was determined to go there to hunt out these Christians. These Christians who were challenging the Jewish religious authorities of the day and to seize them and drag them back to Jerusalem for trial, maybe even for death. Saul was a man driven above all by religious and personal pride. But then he's brought down from his lofty perch by the intervention of Christ in his life. By hearing Jesus speak to him, by being blinded, and then, of course, by being healed by God working through Ananias. Even though Saul has done God and his people huge harm, God still loves him so much that he will go to him and meet him in that place. 
He doesn't somehow wait for Saul to work it all out in his head that Jesus died for his sins. God, in the person of Jesus, goes to the road to Damascus and he meets with Paul exactly where he is, even when he's on his way to persecute the new Christians there. In fact, the whole of the book of Acts has been described to us um, by a a well-known theologian um, as a story about God's work of love for us in Jesus to liberate us from what is so destructive for each one of us. This episode of Saul's life, his conversion, shows this work of God in a nutshell, I think. Saul's realisation of what God has done for him is so profound and complete that immediately after his sight is restored, and that's before having anything to eat, even though he's been fasting for three days, before anything like that, Saul chooses to be baptised. In baptism, we come before God in humility, we know that it's him who makes the first move towards us. Lee said at the start of um, the baptism service, the baptism liturgy, in baptism the Lord is adding to our number those whom he is calling. God calls first. In humility we respond to that call in offering ourselves and our children to be baptised. We're saying to God that we know we need his help. We know we need his guidance through the work of his Holy Spirit in our lives. The declarations that um, these four children's parents and godparents have made um, on their behalf this morning have said exactly this that they turn to Jesus, that they submit to Jesus, and that they come to Jesus the way, the truth, and the life. So, first of all, Saul moves from pride to humility. The second shift that we see in Saul's story is from aloneness to family. From aloneness to family. We don't know from the the description in the book of Acts um, whether Saul really got on with his travelling companions or not. Um, Maybe they had a few grumbles on the way. We're not told in the account. Maybe he already felt a bit alone. But at a certain point in his journey, Saul is very much on his own. When Christ appears to him, we're told that the others hear a sound, but it's only Saul who clearly hears the voice of Jesus addressing him by name. And then, of course, comes the shock of complete isolation. Saul, the man who had been in total control. Saul, the one hunting down the followers of Jesus. This same Saul is struck suddenly and utterly blind. 
He's now completely dependent on others. He has to rely on his traveling companions to lead him by the hand into Damascus. Saul the persecutor is now helpless. In Saul's darkness, it's through Ananias, one of the very first Christians who he'd come to arrest, who he'd come to lead off to torture and possibly death in Jerusalem. It's through Ananias that Christ comes to him. Not only this, Ananias, when he enters the house where Saul is staying, comes up to Saul and he addresses him straight away as brother, as brother Saul. How extraordinary is that? This is the man who only three days before was at the top of the the pyramid of Jewish religious society persecuting the followers of Jesus, hunting down men and women like Ananias. Ananias would have been terrified of Saul. And yet Ananias calls Saul his brother. The two men are equally part of God's family, the church. This is exactly what we've done for the four children earlier. In baptism, the church welcomes new children and men and women, of course, as well, into the family of God to be sons and daughters of our Heavenly Father. Each of us loved completely by Him, no matter what. And we also know that in that family, we don't journey alone. It takes courage and it takes humility often to accept the support and help of others, as it did for Saul to accept the help of Ananias. And it also often takes courage to offer that help as well. Certainly it would have done for the terrified Ananias. But this is all part of of living in God's family. It's living in the church. And this as well is what we've just declared together to the children. We welcome you into the fellowship of faith. We are children of the same Heavenly Father. We welcome you. So then, Saul first moves from pride to humility. Then Saul moves from aloneness to family. And finally, we see that Saul moves from dark to light. There are two movements from dark to light in Saul's story. First, as he heads to Damascus, Saul's in metaphorical darkness as he persecutes Jesus' followers. And then Christ appears to him in a light from heaven, flashing all around, as we're told in Acts. And then secondly, Saul is trapped in the darkness of physical blindness. And then God's healing comes to him through Ananias, causing the scales to drop from his eyes and enabling him to see once again. The light comes a second time to Saul. Jesus declares in chapter 8 of John's Gospel, 
I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. We've given to each of the four children this morning um, a lighted candle that symbolizes this light of Jesus, the light of the world that's delivered each one of us from our sins. In the service, Lee declared, just as all the, um, all the godparents and parents, all of you godparents and parents here, made your declarations on behalf of the children. Lee declared, in baptism, God calls us out of darkness into his marvellous light. And later on, um, Lee, addressing the children, said, To each one of them, walk in this light all the days of your life. Both Saul then and the children now, by accepting Jesus into their lives, are no longer in darkness, but in the light of Jesus' forgiveness. So then, just as it was for Saul 2,000 years ago, we pray for these children now, that this celebration of baptism, this this joyful time that we've joined in this morning, this celebration of baptism will be the first step of a wonderful walk with Jesus, showing humility before God as members of his family and as bearers of his light carrying that light into the dark places of the world. As it says in the Church of England's introduction to this service of baptism that we've just had, baptism marks the beginning of a journey with God which continues for the rest of our lives, the first step in response to God's love. May this indeed be so for Barnaby, for Lucy, for Charlie, and for Harry. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're moving from um, baptisms to uh, prospective weddings now. I have a set of bands to read. Um, it's a morning, morning full of joy. It doesn't get better than this. Baptisms and weddings to announce as well. It's a fantastic privilege to do. And we've got four couples whose bands we are publishing this morning. So I publish the bands of marriage between Richard Adrian Hubbard and Jenny Louise Lloyd. And of Matthew Thomas Johnson and Catherine Amy Waite, and Christopher Herbert Wormsley, and Sarah Jane Perkins, and of James Richmond Maxim, and Alice Marie Bentham. If any of you know cause or just impediment, why these Pairs of couples should not be joined together in holy matrimony. You are to declare it now. And this is the second time of asking in each case. No? Good stuff.
Any of the couples here this morning? We'll pray for them in any case. We had a good turnout last week. It's fantastic. I think some of them might be at the cricket. Lord, thank you for a morning of joy. Thank you for the joy of these baptisms and thank you for the joy of these forthcoming weddings. We pray your blessing on these couples. May they know your peace in all the busyness of preparations. And may the day of their marriage be extraordinarily special to them. A start of a life together with each other and with you at the centre. We pray they will grow in love for each other and love for you throughout all the years of their married lives. In Jesus' name, Amen. And we've just got one um, notice, really. For those of you who aren't regulars at St. Giles, um, you'll have been given a a bulletin, um, one of these chaps, um, when you came in. Hopefully, if not, grab one on your way out. That tells you about what's going on at St. Giles, um, all the various things that are are happening in our community. Um, One uh, thing that I'd particularly like to to highlight to you, especially given um, the number of um, primary age children here this morning who perhaps aren't normally at St. Giles with us. Um, there are flyers like this at the back and there are also some details in the bulletin as well for our holiday club. Um, that takes place um, here at St. Giles in the last week of the um, summer holidays, uh, the 29th of August to the 1st of September from 10 till 12 um, on Uh, those four mornings Uh, and it's from children from four to 11 years we have lots of activities um, lots of games um, great fun and we normally have a really good number of kids here if you would like to join us for that um, we would love to have you with us um, as part of um, that time of fun and creativity um, if you'd like to know more, um, there are these flyers at the back and there are actually some, um, some forms for you to fill in um, with all your child's details as well. If you've got any questions about it, come and speak to me or to Lee after the service. We'd be only too happy to um, tell you details about it. We're going to join together for the final time um, to praise God this morning. Um, So please stand as the band comes up. Uh, Again, on your song sheets, the last page will join together in amazing grace and a collection will be taken up during this song.